What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Lab Audio Inventory. So, what's up guys? Uh, hopefully you're watching. If not, because we just started this live cast, you're probably not yet. But when you do watch, ask us questions because uh, we're totally open to answering them. Uh, do you guys what, he really, what he really means is we don't have anything to talk about <laughs> and yet. we need help. Send us questions, please. No, we have things to talk about, but we want to hear, we don't want to talk about things that y'all don't care about. We want to talk about things that people want answers for. So, send us whatever you can. It could be anything. Nutrition, wellness, sports performance, plyometrics, because that's all John wants to talk about. Tendons, uh, stretching, not stretching, whatever you want. We're going to try to not be inappropriate. Greg doesn't have any content to yeah. talk about. Stretching, not stretching. <laughs> that's good. We'll, we'll do He's that. like, that's, what I, gonna that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. Let's see if there's any comments on the Instagram that we can use. Greg, what do you think your vertical is? Mm, I've been lied to this whole time. I've been using the jump mat, so I don't even know. <laughs> the jump mat, for those of you watching, we used the jump mat, and it didn't work. Just well, it works, but it's, it doesn't, not, it's not accurate. It's not accurate, unless you're, yeah, if you're looking for a true number, it needs to be the other mat. Exactly, and that is because it starts recording flight time when your heels leave the mat because it's not as sensitive. The sensitivity is too low. So we have a formula that says how high it is. We yeah. have it's the technology. Have you ever watched Breaking Bad? It's science. Science. We, have, we have a formula. We should actually, let's talk. We've actually since converted all of our jump numbers on our record board and in Zen Planner and our record keeping system to uh, the lower numbers so that we can be as accurate as, uh, as But we possible. kept them in centimeters because keeping it in centimeters ensures that you don't actually know how low it really That's is. That's true. I looked at the numbers <laughs> and I wasn't sure if it was good or bad or because they're centimeters. I don't do conversions. If you, if you see 68 centimeters, you don't know that that's actually like 23 inches. But they are accurate. They are converted. <laughs> they are accurate. They are accurate. They are converted. So we make sure. It's one thing we do here. Uh, our interns are hands-on doing, doing studies. Making we were sure all that we are... Hands-on and learning as we're going. So if we don't, if we don't know, we'll try to find it, or we'll make, well, if we don't have the study for it, we're going to create one. We're going to uh, make a study. Yeah. So what this is this this is the next idea I had for a study, real similar to the last one, is taking push band, the yellow jump mat, and possibly some other protocol, and measuring the the reliability of the. Uh, or the validity of the RSI testing. Oh, so well, you could use the Just Jump, the Just Jump app. That's what I was thinking. To use that, or the My Push, push my Band has a has a uh, protocol for it, and so we could we could figure out which one is. Well, we could research to see which one is validated against. Probably Force Platform would be the most valid. And Actually, then, talking about, oh yeah, that's definitely true. Talking about RSI, I did it yesterday. We need a force pl uh, platform to actually force plate. Force plate to actually force do X. Play, so. If you're watching, force X. Yeah. I know you're software, but Kissler, if you're watching this, we could use a force plate. It'd be great. Two force plates would be really good, actually. Embedded in the ground. So and then you'll be on the next Instagram video making <laughs> a lot of followers, I'm just saying. Uh, we also would, uh, or no, I did I did the My Jump app yesterday with RSI, mm -hmm. and I did three different heights of, or four different heights of boxes. Did you do one jump? I did just okay. one jump, yeah, and then land. So you have to do, it does contact time, and then flight time, and you have to film it at 240 frames per second, so it's accurate. But my RSI on the 12-inch box was 
Let's keep watching what Zara is saying. Reactive strength index, which is an indicator of your ability to produce force over very, very short periods of time. Why so, would you want to know that? Why would that be good? I'm just wondering. You're doing a good job moderating, great. Yeah, oh, no, oh, no. So, if you're better at producing force faster, that's more similar to what you're probably going to do on the field or the court, where you don't, you are under time constraints. If I'm trying to cut to the rim, I don't, or I'm trying to cut downfield, I don't want to do that very slowly and produce a lot of force. The end goal is to produce a lot of force very quickly, so I can get separation or yeah basically yeah. if I can get separation so if you see those elite athletes they probably have very high RSI from those very quick cuts if they don't they get hit by a linebacker if they don't they don't make it to the hole in time the defender beats them so soccer players you don't break away and get an open uh, shot on goal uh, so that's what we're that's what he's talking about when he's here at RSI is uh, that type of force how fast he can produce it so and it's it's basically one of the best indicators of your ability to do those athletic movements. Like max strength, what's your squat number? We all know that that helps performance, but at the end of the day, that's not what's necessarily gonna make you good at your sport. Yeah, it's it's skills. I mean, if you're able to put that much yeah. force in the ground that quickly. It's a good point there though. It's an indicator for your ability to do those movements quickly, but it's uh, really what it measures is your elastic ability or your, your stiffness through uh, one or two or possibly three joints, depending on which, uh, what movement you're doing, but if it's measuring your stiffness, that's good, but the ability to cut and change direction, while it might rely on uh, some level of stiffness, uh, there's more to it. So just to point on what you said, it's a good indicator. It's probably one of the best indicators of being able to do things like that, um, but it's not the whole story. Do you think Do you yeah. think it's the best indicator for athleticism then? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. It's, I don't it's, it's, it's pretty good. Though. It would be. It would be high. I, I don't think. know why it's not used more. RFDs talked about a lot, but. RSI is pretty good. I think it is talked about. I think they don't know why they're talking. I don't think they're people that are talking about it know exactly what they're talking about. Like they're talking about, oh, look at the speed kills, and they just kind of blanketed statement. But if you talk about sports sciences, I think we talk about it because we use it and we kind of measure it. But I think coaches that see it, they're like, man, that guy just has something special, or that X factor, or that that look at his vision. Yeah. And he might have great vision, but there's also these factors. But he probably that RSI is probably really high. He just doesn't. One, it's probably a limitation. They don't. They're like, you know what? I, I don't have the prop, the ability to measure it. Two, I just see that he does it well, so I'm not gonna. There's like they just know. It's one of the visual tests from a coach. They're like, well, he has that one step cut. And he's probably putting a lot of force in the hour really fast. But like Greg said, I think it's an indicator. If you have it, doesn't mean you're gonna be a great athlete, but I think it puts you in a good spot. I think you're. Yeah. yeah. If you don't have it, I think it puts you in a bad spot for being athletic. But I think if you have it, it doesn't automatically make you a, absolutely a great athlete. It but, depends on how you define athleticism. Or true. What, yeah, what which we get in this debate all the yeah. time. I mean, stop every day. No what is athleticism? What are we doing out of? There's what no is our solid answer to it, but yeah. making people better at their sport, or are we making them squat more? Are we making them jump higher? Like, what is up for this? But anyways, I did this RSI test, and I used a 12-inch box, 18-inch box, 20-inch box, and 28-inch box, which, by the way, is the red box heights. Mm -hmm. If you guys were wondering, I don't know if anyone <laughs> knew the answer to that question. I but would have to measure them. <laughs> I, yeah, but they are 12, or no, it was 12, 16, 20, and 28. That's so, really different from what you said. No, 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 12, 16, 20 and 28. So the only, it's four inch increments until the last box, which is 28 inches. Okay. Anyways, so I did RSI. I hit about 2.5 on the 12 inch box, which you would assume that more elastic individuals would probably jump higher with the farther drops. I would think, well, I would think a higher box and shorter ground contact times, you would use that as like a preload jump higher. I think you need more strength to be able to 
be oh, plastic right. off of a higher box. That's true. Well, that was what yeah. we talked about also, because Barry Koshiansky talks about the box heights and basically says if you're 40 centimeters, or it's like, I think it's around 40 centimeters, it's more reactive. And if you're 75 centimeters, it's much more max box strength. height. Yeah, box height. Drop, right. drop. Well, yeah, because like, I'm sure there's more. a diminishing return. Like, you have a height, you're really fat, you're really explosive, really explosive. And then it's like, do you have the requisite strength to handle that? Yeah. If you don't, then it's, I don't care how fast well, you are, you, you can can't use, handle those positions. You can use that protocol to some extent, like uh, testing yourself on increasing box heights to figure out, give yourself a profile of what where you're good. Yeah. Is yeah. So mine went like this. As the box got higher, as the box got higher, my RSI dropped off. Right. And so what Jaw would do is maybe that would be an indicator that he needs to work on getting stronger. And I am quite weak. <laughs> that wasn't a knock on John, even though I, it was a knock on it John. It was a knock on me. For knock on I only John. squat. That's, I only squat 145. For but it is there if you're watching and wondering. To moderate depth. You might be using RSI or you're like, what is RSI? And you go to look at it. Like Greg would say, that would be a good testing procedure. Some people were trying to find weaknesses. Maybe you're like, maybe you just think you jump high, but all of a sudden you had a box and it's like, well, maybe the height is. Maybe it gives you an indicator of what you, another variable you can work on. That's uh, something something different. So yeah. See what's also, no, we'll go ahead. Well, just uh, off that point, it can also give you an idea of like say say you're a big fan of depth jumps. Um, you you got to know where how high the boxes need to be. Yeah. Um, to to get an appropriate stimulus. So that RSI protocol there can give you an idea of you know where is the diminishing returns start happening. Like right. what box height can we still be productive? Can we still be? Yeah. People just do depth jumps just for the heck of it because. Depth jumps make you more explosive and things like that. They're yeah. like, if you ask a coach why, they might tell you why they're doing depth jumps, but like ask them why they're doing that height, they may not be able to give right. you a better answer. So that, that's a. So I, I think about like, here's the thing though is like, as my ground, so what, this is what you'd expect box gets higher. You're going to be on the ground longer because yeah. you have to amortize, which means you've got to yeah. turn it around. Right. And, you know, higher boxes, I definitely had longer ground contact times. Longer ground contact times mean you can probably. Apply, you can apply force you longer. Jump you can jump yeah. higher because you're you might unless, yield more unless Maybe. your yielding doesn't result in a turnaround. Exactly. That would right. be and I think like if it be like strength. if you're a stronger athlete, then that would work out well. If you're a stronger athlete, you produce more force. It gives you more time to put force. You can then maximize that game. But if you're more of an elastic athlete, you might be hurt you eventually. Yeah, you may be taking yourself out of your your best strong specific. That's to, a good point. Strong specific to like small range eccentric. Like high, yeah. high speed, small range eccentric. Yep. Like it's, it's pretty specific strength. You wouldn't expect a power lifter with fantastic strong hips to be good at that. They have strength, but it's very specific strength. And then their strength also, they move the bar. Like you'll see them and they look like they're not gonna, they can't do any more weight, but they grind through 100 more pounds because they're just so, they're used to just going slow and steady. Yeah. So they have the amount of force, it's just for them, they don't move it fast. So you think about the spectrum though, cool. more max strength guys on the higher box, they're probably gonna have a better RSI on that higher box as opposed to the lower one. Because yeah, if, I had, like, if I had to put my money lack, on it, I would. They might lack the the stiffness required to jump off a small box and still get up really high. Yeah, you're gonna have those outliers, but I think they're just strong and fast. Like something, you might see some like, I'd say like football players or anything like that, that are kind of in between where they need to be powerful and fast. Um, and they have mass. But uh, yeah, I think if you're on the end of the max strength, you have more time to put force in the ground. You may, majority, I'll put my money on that you're gonna be able to put more, you're better than the elastic guy. If you have a lower box, the elastic guy is gonna blow you out of the water because yeah. they don't need that time to put force in the ground. They just, 
balance. Yeah, it's like the guys that can power clean more than they can squat, and then you have the vice versa. The guys can squat more. Yeah, I say some, sometimes you can just put force in the ground. You don't. You get yourself out of that position. So, real quick, if you're watching, definitely share this content, guys. If you like it, Brian just slid me this piece of paper and. Uh, ask the viewers to share it. So if you like it, share it. But uh, to Drake's point, that's kind of what I am, I think. Greg, I don't, where do you fall? Where do you guys fall in the spectrum? I would probably be closer to the strength. I think I have some, I think, I mean, my power is becoming better, but I've always, I have limbs for squatting. I've always, I played football, which was was like more football, uh, power related, I guess, but there's also a strength component. I just enjoyed, I wasn't very powerful, so I just enjoyed strength stuff, so I started squatting more, and recently got, in, I guess the last couple years have been more power training, but I'm, I'm, I might be in the middle, I guess what's the your, hybrid. What's your max back squat? Uh, 185 kilos, so that'd be like 405 pounds, uh, like at 170. 182, I think it's 405, so a little, a little, a little over that at 175 pound body weight, so strength, it would, relative strength, would be probably pretty high. And that's ass to grass, that's all the way down? Yeah, all the way down. And then power clean just recently is like 120 kilos, like 265, so. Okay. Uh, but my full clean is 140, so 20 kilo increase there. It's just one of those things where I just feel, but I can jump, I can move my body weight more. It's just, it's hard not having as much mass. I think sometimes that, that hinders me, but it depends, I think I'm in the middle. What about, what about you, Greg, where are you at? I, think, I feel like I've always been a more elastic individual. I uh, myself am probably the same. But, one thing I wanted to bring up though is even even someone who's more of a max strength beast, um, if you do the same test, you're probably going to fall somewhere in the middle in terms of box height in your sweet spot. Yeah. Because there's still going to be a diminishing return because even if you're a max strength individual, you still have to have, like I said, very specific, fast, eccentric strength. Even if you have a lot of just overall relative strength, uh, when you get on those higher boxes, you might be able to have enough time to put force in the ground, but you still have to do it fast. Yeah. No matter what. So, uh, like the people who can do it really well at the at the at the higher boxes, those are going to be probably your most elite athletes because they have both. They're elastic and they're strong enough to be elastic at huge heights. Yeah. I think they're so higher. it's not so much that like uh, max strength individuals are going to be better at high boxes. But they're probably they're probably going to fall somewhere in the middle unless they have both qualities to a high level. Then I, they can be on the on the top end of those boxes doing yeah. well. Uh, I, I just think about the ways that you can jump though. Like there are different jumping strategies. So unless you're measuring ground contact time, it's like like I could I could land and be really compliant and then jump super high because I might take advantage of long stretch reflexes yeah. and I might just take advantage of the fact that I produce force over longer periods of time a little oh, bit better. So like so which which how, type of jumper? Yeah, are you? Are, or do you or do you have very minimal, very stiff landings where you're not very deep in your catch? You know, yeah. what I mean? so like not a lot of knee bend, not a lot of hip bend. Well, I think just yeah, down just, I think because that's how I did all that, my contacts. I mean, if you, if you did that, it could be like a depending on your protocol, like if you're testing, like if you're, everybody was doing the same type of jump and just across the board, or if you're type of jump, I think then it comes in like what type of strength athlete are you? Like usually like if you're heavily eccentric, you might still be a really strong athlete, but you're concentrically strong. Like you would expect certain things, but some of those athletes that maybe can't squat as much, but they're very eccentric, maybe they're pulling athletes usually or posterior chain yeah. strength athletes. I see them also 
maximize that a little bit better too. It's just they can handle the load of eccentrics compared to some guys that just are athletes, get ladies as well, that aren't eccentrically as strong. They just they just don't train that. So yeah. it's like I produce force really well at really well mostly because I'm inflexible, but I produce force really well at the high joint angles, and so I can I can land really stiff. And basically, how I think about it is I'm pushing into the ground even before I hit the ground. That's how I'll try to get those really stiffness. Yeah, you're basically like you're basically like I'm. I try not to look at the ground, but I'll think, get my hands back behind me and try to push into the ground even before I hit the ground. And then that'll give me that quick bounce elastic contact versus if I'm just trying to jump as high as I can, I'll yeah. basically think like, okay, land soft and and basically load down, like load up as some people load call it. Like, more joints. Yeah, basically, basically like get lower. Load up the chain. Yeah. And then jump as high as you can. So it turns more into this like, almost like a counter movement jump, just yeah. a regular vertical jump instead of a, a depth jump. Yeah. Like, right, right, yeah. We're talking about like, just for context, if we're talking about RSI, the first one is what you need to do because yeah. contact time is important. But yeah. if we're talking about like the difference between uh, jumpers that are good with a short, small counter movement, or even hardly any counter movement, and uh, people who are better with a large counter movement. It's almost the difference between if you excel at an RSI test versus if you excel at, say, a squat jump test yeah. with the yeah. PVC or I something. I think it's like almost that. like training age a little bit, where we see like like volleyball players or basketball players, where sometimes that counter movement because they're so used to like getting yeah. off the ground a little quicker. They're kind of they're trained their whole life, but you've trained as a jumper. So maybe your your RSI is going to be, and you also you said you're flexible, so you've had injuries or anything that's caused, kind of caused you to train that way. So now you have to be as elastic because you can't maybe get load up the joints the same way as yep. like a counter movement squat jumper would do. So I mean, I guess each person can, if you're stronger, you can maximize it with training. But then you have to throw in there if your RSI is off, how long? What have you been training? Have you been training a certain sport that doesn't bode well for RSI score to be higher? And then, or is it? Are you like, well, if you're uh, a defensive back? You're on the ground. You're loading up all those joints, and you're kind of you're probably your counter movement jumps probably gonna be or squat jumps probably gonna be way better because that's kind of directed towards your sport. Or because you really don't. I mean, I guess getting off the ground fast, but as a DB, you're never like about to jump and then jump hit the ground again and go again. You have that one load, and you're trying to jump at the highest point of the ball compared to you. If you're jumping, you have to hit the ground, go again, hit the ground, and you have to like if you're triple jump, it's like take advantage jump, of momentum. Exactly. So it depends on what you've probably been training to. So I think about so, filling in gaps too, though. Like. How do you want to train ultimately is the question, right? Like, look at me. I suck at those higher boxes. What if I did have a higher ground contact time? Would my RSI go up a little bit? It probably would because I think it dropped down to 1.9. But there's a balance because you have, like, RSI takes into account the contact time. Yeah, so that's, I do I do think it's a balance. But as far as training is concerned, so there's, do you want to, you could probably want to be short. Do you want to try to do what I did? Because that's what most people teach. Yeah. Really so short on the ground and, and bounce. That's why you're doing the if depth you're time, able, right? That's like your test and that's what will make them better at their sport. Yeah. Like, do I want to maximize height or do I want to, it's basically this question, do I just at all costs maximize height no matter the box height or do I, no matter the box height, minimize time and, and try to jump, you're always going to try to jump as high as you can, but yeah. if you minimize time, you're not going to jump as high as you can. So what's what's more important? Minimize time, assuming you're going to jump, try to jump as high as you can. entirely on what jump you're training for. You're training for you. like, uh, so like, might what's be, what's might be, your answer? Well, there might be a place for both. I think if you have this. There is a place for both. Yeah, I think, I think even if you're, if you're training for, even if you're training the same athlete, there's a place for yeah, both. Yeah, like if, you're, if our side maybe lends itself 
better this way. I'm not going to completely like, well, that doesn't, I'm not going to neglect this, but you don't want to say like last time we were talking about trading our weaknesses on last podcast, go check it out. But as you're training weaknesses, it's like, well, we don't want to spend all of our time like, well, that RSI score is terrible, but does it matter if it makes them a better athlete? If it does, then they probably need to be some sort of relevancy and train a little bit. But if your goal is squat jump, then don't spend so much time on the, the RSI score because that's like sometimes we see with like FMS testing. Oh, yeah. People do it and that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, our training needs to be directed towards it. It's like, yeah, we need to fix these things, but let's not completely neglect this over here. At the end so of the think, day, are you bad at your sport or not? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I think it's usually like your sport as a coach and be like, well, yeah. RSI doesn't need to, it's a good measurement and a good indicator, but it doesn't mean if you're really high here, you're a really great athlete. You probably need to be a little bit of both. And usually, like Greg said, our, the elite athletes or higher level athletes have, they're probably good at both. They're probably had that much, but they're probably up there because they're essentially strong. They're able to do RSI if they need to, but if you put them on the higher box, they can have a lot of ground, ground contact time. They may not be the 1% of both, but they're probably pretty high and they might have one they maximize. So, so what do you think, when, when is which training stimulus appropriate, right? So I would assume that the stiff one without, yeah. with, a, with little yielding, really, really high joint angles is probably higher intensity because the type of contact is so stiff. And if you look at Mike's, uh, I guess a lecture, yeah. a lecture on plyometrics, you'll see there are four things. If you run into it, uh, run into a plyo, that's gonna increase intensity. Yeah. If you are single leg versus double leg, that's gonna, single leg's gonna increase intensity. The height of the fall, so higher box obviously is gonna be higher intensity. And then what was, what was that? So was stiffness. Oh yeah, stiffness, the one we're talking about. Yeah. So the stiffer the contact. So I'd assume the stiffer the contact, the higher the box, the more intensity, even though RSI is dropping off, I, that's more of an overload, right? Uh, well, it's probably a higher, like no matter what, if you, if you drop off of a high box and you just basically stop yourself, like pre-tense pre your, uh, your tendons and your muscles and just kind of like bounce and that's it, you don't even try to get up, there's still a high eccentric load because you've dropped off the same height. Yeah. Uh, and you stop it fast. Yeah, you stop it fast. Either way, um, but if you try to jump out of that, then you add the last portion of the stretch shortening cycle. Yeah, the amortization. Yeah, you, Can you actually have that, a brief isometric You're gonna have a stretch shortening cycle either way. Like but if you're you're you pretense the muscle and you jump off a box and you don't try to jump off the ground, then if you're tense enough in the muscle, you're isometrically tense, your passive, your passive elements, your tendons and fascia are still gonna stretch and rebound. They have so to, or you would. You're probably gonna bounce even though you don't try to do anything. But well, it's, it's like, it's well like you'll, you you'll come down a little up. bit. Like if you just, if you drop off a high box and just land stiff, you, it's impossible to have zero degrees of well, your body angulation. Your, your, body won't come down. your body won't allow that to happen yeah. or we would break. Like if you jumped up high, we would destroy our vertebrae and other things. I think so the tendon, that's what Greg was saying. It's isometric yeah. muscle yeah, yeah, yeah. action. Muscle, it's eccentric. Muscle action is isometric. Yeah. Exactly. But so the tendon is at some point. Yeah. yeah. At some point it has to, it'll stop. It'll like you're going to get some, you're going to get some eccentric lengthening of the muscle, but there's a point where it stops it's mostly isometric it acts nearly isometric and then the passive elements are what stretch short series and then, elastic components yeah essentially it's like muscle lengthens a little bit stops tendons stretch shorten and then muscle shortens again yeah like and that's I, that's kind of the sequence of it that makes it that's what gives that bouncy sensation though that you see like when you when you see guys just bounce like spring or like i mean i don't know how long jump really plays in that or even cutting because 
it's not a bouncy movement all the time in those scenarios. Yeah, like, I would say cutting doesn't. It's, I it, think it's. It, 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 I think it's bouncy in a different way. It's different, yeah, because it's, you're as a tra like if you're. I just say track because it's so simple. It's like you know your goal and you're and you see it on the track. Bouncing is like because you know you're kind of in point and you're and the forces are like horizontal and then vertical and like the, the it's just different and the change of direction throws this whole another plane of motion that if you are strictly bouncy you'll see guys that can like fast I mean yeah you say Bolt gets on a football field I don't care how fast he is he is going to get destroyed straight up because he's going to stand up he's just not this different speed and so it's like it throws a plane of motion you still add in the bounciness but like Greg said but it's like you have to bounce in a different force vector which throws off things a little different differently because muscle contraction now has to push your body horizontally need, and vertically. You need other stabilizers. Yeah, like so you need, if you're gonna cut versus just do a straight down and up, you know, uh, ankle stiffness jump, yeah. if you're gonna cut laterally, you need the hip involved more than you need yeah. uh, on you just a regular like a regular depth jump or something like that. You need other stabilizers and other, other concentric movers um, or even eccentric movers. Uh, in and out of it. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that was. A, I mean, that's a point for training as a coach. Like, what's your sport, or is it strictly track or track and field, where you know the plane of motion, you know where you got to get to, you don't have to worry about the external stimulus. As far as I would say, a, another human being or a ball or something that's in play, you know that you have to get from point A to point B. There's other things that can factor in, but for an athlete, like you need to be like if you're training for depth jumps. I mean, I don't know. I, would, I mean, I got a depth jump goal. Yeah, like <laughs> or, a depth jump. or using. I would say using depth jumps for training, not training for depth jumps. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, go for it. I mean, yeah. you might be sore. You might be really zone, explosive. Yeah. I don't know. Um, people do crazier things. Uh, yeah. But like, be smart in what, how you're programming your jumps. I think it's just use them. These are just indicators for different sports that we'd like to use. I tools. mean, I don't know. I mean, I would, yeah, they're tools. And, and I don't want to strictly take one out because my athlete is a football player or a baseball player that doesn't go straight to point. But I'd also don't want to take out all stabilizers because I have a track athlete and RSI needs to be high. And I don't care about a squat jump because they're super powerful. Like, that's just neglecting and leaving things. Like like Mike talks about, we're not turning over all the stones that, to increase development of power. And so I think we're leaving a lot on the table. So. Yeah, I think about like Mike once said this. You know, it's it's like the peanut butter that you have left in the jar, and you're just like, yeah, I never I'm have good. Peanut left in the jar. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't leave any peanut butter left yeah. in the jar. You scoop all of it out, and I think that's where and then you cut it open and lick the jar. Exactly. Because you, you know. want to maximize. No Every man little bit of that peanut butter. The, and I, I want to keep it. Yeah, no man left behind. Yep. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks for listening. If you like this, you can rate us. You can share this with your friends. And if you have a question, go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Anchor, anywhere you can find us. Drop us a DM and we'll try to answer it when we can.